At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Hey, everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 309. On Now You Know. Hey, guess what? This show does not happen without our amazing Patreon patrons. So thank you, Patreon patrons. And for everyone else, if you want to help support us, bring you independent news every week, head over to patreon.com slash now you know. There's really cool perks over there and you can help support this show. So last Thursday, Tesla held their annual shareholder meeting, which they called the Cyber Roundup. And now it's trademarked. <laughs> Elon started off with a presentation showing just how far Tesla has come in the last 10 years. He also hinted at some of the other exciting projects that Tesla will be uh, executing in the future. Elon mentioned he thinks that Optimus robots would be much bigger than vehicles, which is what I have continuously been talking about. I'm sort of surprised uh, that, you know, people or at least like analysts out there are not really understanding the importance of the Optimus robot. My guess is Optimus will be more valuable than the car long term. Also, as part of his opening remarks, Elon mentioned that they might be able to announce another Gigafactory location later this year. Yeah, we might be able to announce another factory location later this year. Uh, okay. Wait, uh, wait, 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 where should we, okay, where, where should we build it? <laughs> okay, we got a lot. We got a lot of Canadas. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm half. I'm half Canadian, so maybe I should. You know, uh, but uh, yeah. Um, well, I think you know. Ultimately, we'll, we'll end up building. I don't know. Probably at least uh, ten or twelve. Uh, ten or twelve gigafactories. Uh, and there will, there will be really gigafactories, like output, uh, you know, aiming for output, average output of like one and a half to two million units per factory, which is enormous. Wait, so all that talk, did he just decide Canada was going to be the next location? No, I mean, I think someone shouted out, Canada! Canada! And he made a little joke about it. Uh, I don't think we know where it's going to be. I think it's going to be somewhere in North America. If I had to guess, I would think Mexico. Really? Yeah. Right, they have their special Tesla lane. <laughs> He did just make fun of uh, Mary Barra for 
Mexico. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. know. Comment below where you think it's going to be. Elon was quite proud of this chart of Tesla's fleet size growing exponentially. He said 10 years ago, we had made less than 3,000 cars. Now here we stand 10 years later, having made 3 million cars. This is one of the cleanest exponentials I've, you know, it it looks like one of those sort of, uh, you know, business plan presentation things that, that doesn't actually come true, but you know. You, you see it in the venture capital uh, business plan situation. Um, but it's actually true. That's the amazing part. Um, and uh, yeah. And that is indeed an exponential growth curve. He said, what about the next 10 years? I'll be surprised if it's not over 100 million in 10 years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, hey, remember, we're allowed to swear now. Uh, I think it's worth swearing over that because, uh, I mean, if this curve keeps going, it looks like we're going to hit that. How about this slide from the shareholder meeting deck? Elon said that the Model Y is on track to become the world's best-selling vehicle. Now, to be clear, we're not talking about a caveat like the best-selling SUV or the best-selling EV. We're talking about the best-selling vehicle worldwide, period. End of sentence. Now, what is the model to beat? Currently, that would be the Toyota Corolla with about 1,150,000 sales annually. Um, And, by the way, that costs less than about half the price of a Model Y starting at just $21,000. So Tesla can now make about 300,000 Model 3s and Ys each quarter. They don't break down the numbers between the two. But with Giga Berlin just making Model Ys and then adding in Texas, Fremont, and Shanghai, Tesla could be looking at making over 1 million Model Ys next year. So fingers crossed, next year we could be looking at Tesla holding that coveted spot of best-selling car in the world. Next, Elon moved on to questions from shareholders as voted for by Say.com. I was really excited to see that all the questions were from retail investors. Yeah, I think they did this on purpose. Um, Later in the presentation, Elon went on to talk about how impressed he is with retail investors. You know, I I think actually the the questions uh, and ideas posed by uh, uh, retail investors, like small retail investors, like I think many of you in the audience, are actually the most insightful. and it's, I find it remarkable that, um, you know, essentially amateur, like n- n- normal everyday people actually <laughs> understand Tesla better than the analysts. I mean, I must, you must see this as like, <laughs> that's like. I think that Tesla's latest move of making a better integration with Say has led to really good questions being asked. So uh, let's get into them here. So the first question was, how does Tesla intend to utilize cash in the coming few years? Will Tesla increase CapEx, share buybacks, dividends or acquisitions? Tesla's actually used a remarkably uh, small amount of its equity to do acquisitions compared to other companies. Uh, The vast majority of our growth, basically 90% of our growth has been organic, um, which I think is actually a really good thing. Depending on what our future cash flow looks like, uh, I think a sort of share buyback is is possible. I wouldn't want to commit to that, but uh, well, you know, let's just make sure, uh, you know, that there's not some force majeure event somewhere. (laughs) Um, You know, I think we want to make sure we we have plenty of capital and that future cash flow is looking very solid, uh, and the world is relatively stable. And then I think uh, share buyback is is on the table. Yeah, so Tesla is sitting on over $18 billion in cash. Elon responded by saying that Tesla won't be too focused on acquisitions. Rather, Tesla will continue to increase CapEx, which is another way of saying more factories and products. 
But then he went on to mention that barring some force majeure event, and if cash flows were still solid, that share buybacks could be a possibility. So what are share buybacks? I mean, that's when a company buys back its shares. And it's usually when a company's gotten to this point where it's not doing anything anymore. And then shareholders are like, that's great, because then my shares are worth more. I hope they don't do that. I, I like companies that actually use the money they have to invent and to innovate. And that's what Tesla does. So I hope he's not going to do this. Well, but Elon did say that they're basically spending as much money as they can without wasting it and that he can't really spend any more on CapEx without just wasting money. So I guess it's better to keep it in the bank than to spend it wastefully. But then the other question would be, is it better to reinvest it in the company as opposed to keeping it in cash? I don't know. There's so many cool products he could be making, like EV tolls and stuff like that. I feel like just keep Keep inventing, dude. Hmm. That's what you're good at. The next question was, when the Cybertruck pricing is released, will all who ordered it before it was taken down be grandfathered in or have to reconfigure? When will pricing be released? Cybertruck pricing, uh, it was unveiled in 2019 and the, and, and the reservation was $99. So, you know, things have, a lot has changed since then. Uh, so the specs and the pricing will be different. I you know, hate to sort of give a little bit of bad news, but I, I think there's, there's no way to sort of have, have anticipated quite the inflation that we've seen and the various issues. Um, but what I can say is that the Cybertruck will be one hell of a product, and it's going to be like a damn fine machine. And we are tracking to be in production um, uh, middle of next year from this factory. So that we're installing, we're, we're going to be installing the production equipment, tooling and all, uh, uh, starting uh, in the next couple of months, we'll begin the, uh, the installation. So aiming to be in volume production middle of next year. So he didn't really answer the question about the grandfathering part. Mm. Uh, this is probably the worst news of the whole event. Not that it's too much of a surprise. Elon said that the specs and the pricing will be different than what was announced at its unveiling. And of course, it's important to remember that the unveiling of the Cybertruck took place in 2019. That long ago. Which was, you know, in the before times. We're going to tell the story of the before time again. Elon basically implied that the truck is going to be more expensive because uh, of due to high inflation. Which I think means no grandfathering. I don't think that there'd be grandfathering. It doesn't really make any sense for them to do that. Because, I mean, let's keep in mind that the single motor Cybertruck was supposed to start at $39,900. Right. And that is cheaper than a Model Y <laughs> yeah. now. I think the Model Y prices have gone up about 25% okay. um, since the start of COVID. And so I think that you can basically just tack on another 25% to the Cybertruck original so, prices. So what does that look like? So the single motor will go from 39,900 to probably 49,900. Okay. Um, so up about 10 grand. The dual motor would go from 49,900 to 62,500. And the try would go from 69900 to like 87500 or somewhere thereabouts. With this new federal tax credit, I would hope they keep it under 80. But yeah, you're probably right. Something like that. Well, I mean, if you can get the dual motor for under 80, like you're already doing a lot better than the Rivian. Rivian's four motors, though. The Rivian is four motors. I'm not going to knock them on that. The next question was, what is the real estate strategy for superchargers and Tesla restaurant locations across the U.S.? So Elon discussed how some places in the world are really hard to get permits for superchargers. We're, we're deploying superchargers wherever we see the greatest need. Um, now, sometimes the greatest need is in some place that is extremely difficult to get permits. Getting a permit in Malibu was nuts. Like, <laughs> it was next level. That took years. So some places are hard to get permits, uh, and some places are easier. Um, 
but we are aiming to just generally, we, we, we analyze the supercharger usage uh, every day and, and we prioritize our supercharger locations according to where we see the greatest need. Um, with respect, <laughs> what, sorry, where? Well, you know, maybe we should do an online poll for where is it, where should we put superchargers? Yeah. Then somebody talked about a poll for where to put superchargers. Do you think that's a good idea? Elon thought so. That's good. Okay, we'll do that. Elon went on to talk about the Hollywood drive-in supercharger that Tesla is working on. The general vision is to have something that's like a futuristic, uh, kind of like diner, sort of like, I don't know, uh, Blade Runner meets Grease meets Jetsons. Yeah. Uh, you know, something cool, different, and, but with some style and, and uh, where, where you can, you know, get, you know, uh, some, some great food and... Um, the one in LA, we're, we're planning to have like th these big screens at the supercharger location, and the screens will uh, be aiming to show like the hundred, hundred greatest movie clips of all time, and so you can like, you know, have a cheeseburger and a charge your car and watch some cool stuff on the screen. And mentioned that a few superchargers would likely be getting some sort of treatments like it. And then depending on how that goes, we'll, you know, we. Might roll that out to a few other places. We will try to do interesting, fun things that are not necessarily economically sensible, but they're cool. I think that stuff like this will work really well in an influencer-based brand economy. Are we influencer-based? Uh, we're not the typical influencer. No. Here's what I'm thinking. I think that having people's favorite YouTubers, Instagrammers, and TikTokers show up to a cool place like you know the Hollywood Drive-In Supercharger is going to really create a lot of good grassroots brand appeal. Um, and I think that the Tesla community especially is going to help make stuff like this even better. So not only is it going to be a cool place, I think that a lot of people in the area who are Tesla owners are probably going to do their best to make it even more fun and cool. Yeah, kind of like we're going to show you this week on beautiful superchargers yes. where Tesla's got something pretty cool installed. Huh. The next question was, with peak inflation behind us, are you now seeing recession as a challenge sometime in 2023? If yes, beyond layoffs, how is Tesla preparing for it? With peak inflation behind us, so the inflation question is, is interesting because we, we do get a fair bit of insight into where prices of things are going over time. Um, because when you're making millions of cars, uh, you have to um, purchase commodities many months in advance of when they're needed. Like, so you need to tell, because it's a very long supply chain with a tremendous amount of inertia. So we, we sort of have some insight into uh, where prices are headed over time. And the interesting thing that we're seeing now is that uh, most of our commodities, most of the things that go into a Tesla, not all, but I don't know, more, more than half, the prices are trending down in six months, six months from now. Now this could change, obviously, but, but the trend is down, which suggests that uh, we are past peak inflation. Um, now making macroeconomic uh, prognostications is, uh, you know, recipe for disaster, but uh, my guess is that we're past peak inflation um, and that we will see, we will have a recession. I think it will be a, a relatively mild recession, sort of, uh, I'm just guessing here. This is total uh, speculation. Um, but I would guess it's a, it's a, you know, mild recession for, 
I don't know, 18 months or something like that. Um, it would be my best guess right now. So Elon thinks we're past peak inflation based on prices of commodities that Tesla is seeing, and he anticipates a mild 18-month recession. So what does that mean for the economy, and what does this mean for the prices of buying a Tesla? You know, nobody knows what's coming in the future, mm -hmm. but it does seem like a lot of smart people are thinking that we're doing fine now, but that 2023 could be a tough year. My thought is that uh, Tesla's going to have a great 2023, so as everyone else is looking around at this tough year, and maybe Tesla's doing well, it might actually help it. And what about the prices? of the cars do you think that they'll come down if the prices of the stuff that goes in the cars goes down i think as inflation might head down that doesn't mean that things get cheaper it just means the rate of inflation is coming down so don't forget we're not going to probably go into negative inflation uh, i think that no i don't think prices of anything's coming down anytime soon interesting all right next game questions from shareholders who were lucky enough to attend the event at giga texas so this question from, I, I do not know who, unfortunately, they didn't say their name. Really, really interesting. Yeah, the, the Tesla robot essentially changing the economy. Like, how can we base an economy on automation, AI? With the full self-driving that's being implemented, you're going to have a full fleet of vehicles that can drive themselves. You'll have these robots that can go and get into your vehicle and, and place things. Will you be moving to a, a, a rental model or, or how will you base a Tesla model on selling cars whenever these cars are fully automated and drive wherever they would like and hopefully would be uh, applicable to having multiple people use the vehicle instead of just one person? Yeah, so it's interesting to think about an autonomous car because you know, when you drive around, look at, you know, look at how many cars are parked. Like, they're just parking lots full of cars everywhere uh, because cars need a driver, and so most of the time they're doing nothing. Um, you know, typically a passenger car is going to be like 12 hours a week or something like that of usage. Um, now, if it's autonomous, maybe it can get to 50 or 60 hours of usage. Then that's sort of, you know, four or five time, four, four or five fold improvement in the utility of a car. But the interesting thing is that the car still costs the same. So in that scenario, at least for some period of time, the, the effective gross margin on an autonomous car is kind of boggles the mind. Um, so in, in terms of how the cars will be operated, I mean, I think it would be, you know, just um, You'd have the option of, of, of owning a car, uh, using a car just occasionally when you need it, like an auto, auto Uber or something like that. Um, and there would be people, and then an owner of a car could decide that they want to use their car or they want to add or subtract it to the fleet. Um, so I think it would end up being some kind of combination of like Airbnb and Uber or something like that. You know, so sometimes you you know. You can go all the way from owning it to renting it sometimes, to renting it a lot, to completely renting it. Um, but the, but the, the, the utility of the car will just be mind-blowingly great. And then, like I said, Optimus will, will really bring the future to now. So... <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe you could rent Optimus hourly. Um, yeah. um, I mean, assuming we get all these things, we do all these things, I think probably Tesla will be the most valuable company in the world.
So I honestly think that the question was maybe more interesting than the answer, unfortunately. Mm. Elon basically pointed out how underutilized cars are right now. This is like baby stuff for anyone who knows anything about full <laughs> self-driving. And that, you know, for some period of time, interesting that he said for some period of time, the effective gross margin of owning a car would be mind boggling. So he doesn't see it lasting forever. Right. Um, That's really key. I think that uh, there's going to be a period of time when you can own a car on the network and then a period of time where the network is the network. So he's tr uh, maybe he's trying to say it without saying it. He went on to say that car owners could probably rent them out uh, as much as they liked, basically, meaning that if you owned a Model 3 or a Tesla that had full self-driving, it could just be your little moneymaker. Yep. He then said that Optimus would bring the future to now and that you could probably rent out Optimus by the hour. I need someone to help me with my groceries for an hour. Hello, Optimus. Yes. If only there was some way to get the robot to you. He said, assuming Tesla can do all these things, it would probably be the most valuable company in the world. And yeah. everybody clapped. He said, uh, I suspect Optimus is going to be more valuable than the car long term. It will turn the whole notion of the economy on its head. And a uh, little tease here of the new Optimus. I think that's Optimus. We're going to be learning more about Optimus on AI Day number two, which is on September 30th. And there's still a lot to talk about Optimus. I think we should have it in depth coming up. Oh, definitely. There's a question here about succession. And if Elon was forced to buy Twitter, how would that affect Tesla? Well, I think Tesla is definitely gathering a lot of momentum. And we have a very exciting product roadmap that will last a long time. Now, obviously, execution against the, that roadmap is, is difficult because these are not simple products. They're not copies of what anyone else is doing. They're new things. But I intend to stay with Tesla as long as I can be useful. You know, I can be most useful, I think, on the product design and, and manufacturing. So basically factory design, product design, um, and uh, sort of manufacturing optimization. And we, we do have a very talented team here. So I think uh, I think Tesla you know, would continue to do very well, even if uh, I was kidnapped by aliens. <laughs> or or went, went back to my home planet, maybe. <laughs> so Elon started by talking about how Tesla's on the right track and would probably do fine without him. He didn't. <laughs> Not, he's not going anywhere. I mean, he was saying if, you know, he was abducted by aliens, right. if he went back to his home planet, right. which is funny. I mean, he might uh, too. He then went on to say that he only owns Tesla and Twitter stock. And he points out that he's not looking to buy up other companies. He's not. He said that, he, like, I'm not a hedge fund. And I think it's really important to talk about that he really uses Twitter a lot. And so he knows exactly what he wants to do with it. So mm -hmm. if he acquired Twitter tomorrow, which is something that he wanted to do that's why there's the deal even though now he's trying to back out basically he's just trying to get a better price from twitter right. because uh, it's full of fake spam bots right he does want twitter oh yeah and this answer was actually really interesting he basically mentioned uh how he could have done all of this from the ground up you know he mentioned x.com but he said that acquiring twitter would be a three to five year accelerant mm. um so he definitely has plans for twitter I think that he's going to acquire it at some point. It's just a matter of how much is he going to pay for it. A question here about the integration of Tesla and the Boring Company. With the projected release of the RoboTaxi coming in the years ahead, uh, would it be looked at as a, the Boring Company, would it be used to get regulation for full self-driving and would it be a good venue for the RoboTaxi? Yeah, the Boring Company is <laughs> making good progress, actually. You know, for the longest time, people, like I'd give a talk somewhere and people say, what, what are opportunities you know about? I was like, tunnels. And they'd be like, for, for five years, I said, 
if, if somebody could just do a tunneling company, we can solve traffic um, and we can have also very high-speed transport between cities. But if you have a sort of a much simplified version of the Hyperloop, if really just Tesla's in a tunnel that's depressurized, uh, you can go between cities super fast um, and without disrupting the stuff above ground. And I think you can solve essentially any traffic problem in any city if you go 3D with, uh, with, with tunnels, so multiple layers of tunnels going from, you know, connecting the, the city. And you can also turn a lot of the streets into parks because you won't need them any, you won't need to have cars on the roads, you won't need parking. Um, so I think Boring Company, I think, is capable of much more transformation than it may seem. So Elon gave his usual explanation about 3D tunnels and solving traffic. Then he went on to say that many surface streets could be converted into parks yes. if most of the traffic was traveling underground. Yep, and I we've think talked about this years ago. We did, years and years ago, but it's it bears repeating and thinking about again. And you know, if you go into a city and you're walking down a street and you say, what if there weren't any cars on this street? Yeah, cities would look a whole lot better, wouldn't they? So of course the presentation was nice and fun, but of course a shareholder meeting means that the shareholders get to vote on stuff. And well, this is something that we've been hearing about for months. Uh, Tesla filed documents with the SEC back in June to declare that it would propose to shareholders a three for one stock split. And at the shareholder meeting, the proposal passed. So this means that shareholders of record on August 17th will, on August 24th, get three shares for every one they own. So in other words, if you had one share of Tesla, you would have three shares, each worth one third of what your original share used to be worth. So if I had 100 shares, each worth $900, I would suddenly have 300 shares worth $300 each. Right. You aren't making or losing any value, just splitting the shares. Okay, well, if it doesn't change anything, why did Tesla do this? Well, according to Tesla's filing, it makes stock ownership more accessible to employees and investors, basically brings the price down. It helps make the stock more liquid. So Amazon just did this, a 20 for one split back in March. Google just did it, a 20 for one split back in July. And basically Tesla will have done a 15 for one split, right? Because they had a five for one split and now three for one split. Okay, so it's a good thing because now instead of it being, you know, $900 a share, it's going to be closer to 300 or in the 200s. Right. And this means that if I want to buy a whole share and maybe attend that shareholder meeting mm -hmm. and vote my shares, mm -hmm. I can do that. Exactly. And it does seem like Tesla's investor relations wants more retail investors. Yes. Retail investors are nice because uh, it really creates a community. Right. And especially with Tesla, they've done such a good job using say.com has really brought the shareholders so close to the company. Now, okay, the sh the, the stock split's going to happen. Do I need to like talk to my brokerage and tell them to split my shares or do anything like that? No, it'll all be taken care of for you just like in 2020 when the stock split five for one. Okay. So I'm just going to wake up one day and have... And you get really excited for a minute when you're like, I have three times more stock. Oh, it's... Uh, oh, Okay. But the value will not have changed. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Hey, and if you like more Tesla stock, hit the like button. It's not going to bring you any more stock, but it will help the channel. Okay, so did I read the title of this story right? Tesla could lose its license in California? Yep, the California DMV has filed two claims against Tesla's use of the word autopilot and full self-driving in marketing of Tesla's autopilot systems, claiming instead of simply identifying product or brand names, these autopilot and full self-driving capability labels and descriptions represent that vehicles equipped with the ADAS features will operate as an autonomous vehicle. But vehicles equipped with those ADAS features could not at the time of those advertisements and cannot now operate as autonomous vehicles. The company made or disseminated statements that are untrue or misleading and not based on facts. Oh, wait. This is why 
all these other companies come up with these stupid names mm -hmm. for their products, like Blue Cruise and, and ProPilot. And ProPilot. Accessories. Because it doesn't mean anything. Right. And so when I go, but that doesn't mean anything, they're like, exactly. <laughs> We're a marketing department. We're good at that. <laughs> okay, so Tesla should have just called it Optimus Pilot. Look, Tesla has 15 days to respond. If California's DMV prevails, Deputy Director for the Office of Public Affairs, Anita Gore, says it will ask that Tesla will be required to advertise to consumers and better educate Tesla drivers about the capabilities of its autopilot and full self-driving features, including cautionary warnings regarding the limitations of the features and for other actions as appropriate given the violations. Well, that doesn't sound so bad. Tesla will just have to put out a little statement to customers or something. I, I agree. Look, I think the media has blown this completely out of proportion. If California revoked Tesla's licenses to make or sell cars in California, guess what? It would be met with such a furor that they'd never hear the end of it. Especially since Teslas are the world's safest cars, you f***ing morons. And there's thousands of jobs in California that would just suddenly uh, vanish and yeah. you would have hundreds of thousands of Tesla owners in the state probably blockading your I mean, department. Like, what are you thinking? This is just the kind of story that FUD media loves, right? Something that they can use to confuse people who don't know much about Teslas, make them think that the company is a scam or dangerous. Do they say in their articles how safe the cars are? How they're learning to drive themselves and in many cases can drive for hundreds of miles while helping keep drivers alert and safe. Look, I just rented a Turo when I went out to Oregon to go to Arkhamoto. And I'm going to talk about this on this week's Patreon bonus story. I drove all around Oregon, hundreds of miles driving up and down the coast, inland cities. It was amazingly helpful, especially in places where I didn't know my way around and it helped keep me from getting tired. This is what we need to be talking about. But instead, let's, let's talk, talk about, about Tesla. Hey, it's called autopilot. That could be a little confusing. People might and then think that they could fly them somewhere. Does this car fly? Where's the fly button? If it says pilot, that means that it's probably flying, right? There's traffic. Can I fly over it? I don't know. I, I, Damn it. Oof. I'm allowed to swear, right? So as we've reported, Volkswagen's 2023 ID4 will be made in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Up until now, VW has only offered an 82 kilowatt hour pro trim level battery pack, but VW has just announced a smaller standard 62 kilowatt hour battery pack version for $4,000 less. Okay, so what are we talking about here? Let's compare the ranges and prices of the two versions. Okay, so the Pro, which is the 82 kilowatt hour, has an EPA range of 275 miles, and that went up in price. It is now starting at 42495 And the standard 62 kilowatt hour battery with 208 miles of range will be sold for $4,000 less or 41230 so this is before the $7,500 federal tax credit. So the good news is that after the incentive, you could be looking at an ID4 in the $35,000 price range. The 2022s are sold out and the 2023s should start hitting VW dealerships this fall. So you may want to get in line if you're interested. Now, we reviewed the ID4, the, the Pro Trim, and you can check out that review over here. It's certainly no Tesla Model Y but it is a lot cheaper. Yeah, the 2023 Pro version gets a bump in DC fast charging now up to 170 kilowatts, uh, a new 12 inch info screen, intelligent park assist and USB-C charging. It also comes with three years of 30 minute complimentary charging at EA chargers. The ID4 should qualify for either version of the tax credit because it's made in the US and Volkswagen still hasn't hit their production cap of 200,000 vehicles. I mean, for a budget SUV, that's an EV pretty good for an around town kind of thing i mean the uh, i don't know well i mean it's a, it's a big savings over the model y it's and a huge i mean savings. for a lot of people it's it's budget driven so 
if you can handle a 208 mile range, which means, of course, that if you're charging it to 80%, it's more like, uh, what, 160 right. miles of range, which is a little bad. puny, but it's fine for around town. So we told you about the new proposed federal EV tax credit legislation last week. It's likely to pass, giving EV buyers a $7,500 tax credit right off the sticker price of many new EVs, including Tesla's again. Right, because they removed the 200,000 production cap. But there is one company that is not happy about it. Who, Toyota or Honda? Well, they can just go pound sand for all I care. No. Rivian. Rivian? But Rivian only makes electric vehicles. Correct, but they only make expensive electric vehicles. And the new proposed law has a cap of $80,000 for SUVs, vans, and pickup trucks. Oh, right. The R1T does technically start under $80,000, but the first versions you can get, especially if you add any options at all, quickly get above $80,000. Yeah, Rivian's VP of Public Policy, James Chen, told Automotive News, as a result, nearly all of our vehicles would be ineligible for incentives. The company is not even planning to offer a lower price model until 2025. The bill would give most breaks to other producers like Tesla General Motors that have had longer to ramp up production or do some manufacturing overseas. So... Uh, We're also thinking of getting the R1S, and luckily we were early reservation holders, and it looks like we just probably got by with it. uh, As you can see here, I think our reservation is for $75,000. But if you're buying it today, I think that price, even starting price for the R1S is going to be over Um, $80,000. And honestly, the R1T... Even though you technically can still buy it today for under 80, as soon as you pop in like one option, you're over that 80,000 limit. But doesn't the bill not kick in until the end of this year? Yes. The good news is if you were to buy it now, I think technically you're under the old legislation, but I don't know because they're going to deliver it after that legislation. It's it's a very gray area here and no one's really figured it out. If you go on Reddit, there's people on both sides saying different things. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you can be safe doing. And that's why we're not really reporting on it too strongly because I don't know... I don't even think any lawyers know yet because it hasn't been passed into law. It's still in Congress. So, yeah, it's a real gray area. You might want to put a reservation in just in case if you really want it to get this uh, credit. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's always safe to just prepare yourself for the worst, the worst, the worst, which is that you're not going to get it at all. If you happen to get it, that's a nice uh, thing for you. But yeah, I that's that's tough. It is. Um, But I just want to talk, you know, Zach and I have been testing out the Rivian R1T for the past few months now. Um, You can find all of our in-depths where we really tried to put it through its paces. Again, we bought the R1T outright, Mm so we're not borrowing it from anybody like Rivian. And we don't have to be nice so that way we can get maybe the R1S. We'll freaking buy the R1S so that way we can tell you all about it. Yeah, last week we tested out towing a camper. You're not going to want to miss that one. And one of the things that I think we really haven't talked about with the Rivian is the design. I hadn't seen anywhere near as many people swivel their heads around to anything we've driven before. I remember we used to pull up in the Model X and open the doors and everyone would look. It's like we're driving down the street with the Falcon wing doors up in the Model X. Right. Now, I know the color is eye-catching, but it's elicited such a positive response from everyone who's seen it. So many smiles. Now, we should be getting our Ford F-150 Lightning later this month. We're going to talk about it on PBS this week. And I'm excited to start testing it out for our viewers, but I just haven't been able to stop thinking about the looks we've been getting in the Rivian. 
it's got me more convinced than ever that the Cybertruck is going to change the entire landscape of the automotive world. And look, looks are important if you need to grab people's attention and convince them that electric is the future. And especially when Cybertruck will be blowing away gas and diesel powered trucks in nearly every single category. And that's why I'm so glad that Tesla Time News is sponsored by Cybertruck Owners Club. Keep up to date on the latest Cybertruck news and discussions, as well as joining the community for Cybertruck enthusiasts and future owners. There you're going to find a crowdsource reservation tracker that you can update and find your place in line and their 3D configurator, allowing you to visualize the Cybertruck in any color, wrap and logo, both on screen and in augmented reality. So many of you are out in your gardens this summer, and I bet I know the parts that you love about gardening and the things that you don't. Watering and weeding would have to top my list. Well, do I have a product for you then? The Turtle Weeding Robot. Zach, I don't think our viewers have thousands of dollars to spend on a weeding robot. Well, luckily, the turtle doesn't cost thousands of dollars. You can get one for as little as $2.99. Wait, what? Yeah, that's why we first interviewed the guy who invented it. You can check out that video here. And then we used the turtle for months and then reviewed it on Now Let's Review. Bobby and Ethan reviewed it, and Bobby is an avid gardener and explains how it works and if it's right for your garden. So go check that out if you'd like to spend a little bit less time weeding and a little bit more time, well, I don't know watching YouTube. We also just released our interview with Green City Solutions. They're a company that uses moss to filter out harmful pollutants in cities as well as reducing high temperatures. We had a really good conversation with Liang Wu, the co-founder and CIO of Green City Solutions. I was really interested to learn that by placing some of their products in high pollution areas that people need to be at, like bus stops and busy streets, their systems can reduce particulate pollution by up to 82%. So go watch this interview and we also have over 50 more interviews you can check out over on the Disruptive Investing channel. Yeah, we're coming out with interviews all the time with really interesting and innovative companies. So head on over to Disruptive Investing and subscribe. So it appears that now some Tesla destination chargers can charge. Um, Zach, maybe we should do that again. I mean, destination chargers, of course, can charge. No, 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 no. I mean, they can now charge a fee for use. Well, I thought that destination charges were at places of business like restaurants and hotels and that they were free to use as long as you're visiting the business. Well, as we've reported, now using the Gen 3 wall connectors, businesses with at least six Tesla wall connectors can now enable paid charging if they want to activate this feature. Interesting. So you have to have at least six connectors. This is really smart. It's going to incentivize businesses with only one to five connectors to install more. Yeah, and it's going to alleviate any worry about the cost to businesses because they'll have the option to charge customers a fee for charging, all integrated, by the way, into the Tesla app. So the business won't have to worry about it. You'll just pay for it on your Tesla app. And of course, the Tesla wall connector can charge up to about 44 miles an hour. Um, I think that this is perfect for restaurants, hotels and shops. And I think it's also smart because, look, a lot of those businesses may want to keep it free, just getting you to come there. But a lot of them might be like the price of electricity is going up and now I have six of them mm. and I, you know, this could cost me hundreds of dollars. And instead, now they can, you know, do whatever they want. They could charge exactly what it costs. They could make a profit. They could even just subsidize it by saying, you know, you'll get really cheap electricity. And I mean, I think this could also work well for like an office where, you know, customers aren't going to be charging at this. Your employees right. are. Um, but you don't want to be giving some employees a huge benefit by being like, it's like free gas. Right. And you don't want to give everyone else free gas. So you can say, well, they're just paying for the price of electricity. Yeah. So after the Chevy Bolt battery fire debacle, demand for the Chevy Bolt and the Bolt EUV dropped, so Chevy lowered the price by $6,000. This made many people happy, but it made many existing Bolt owners mad because they felt like they got the short end of the battery. This is the maddest I've ever been! 
Bolt forums ignited in flames. Uh, you should probably stop with the flame references. Oh, okay. Uh, Bolt owners wrote to GM to complain, and I guess GM listened because we are hearing that many Bolt owners are getting an email from GM offering them $6,000 if they'll sign a release from future damages. It says, forever waive and release all claims, damages, or causes of action arising out of my Bolt vehicle, the battery defect, or the battery recalls. So GM is buying off Bolt owners? Well, look, GM made a dumb move getting into EVs without fully understanding them, in my opinion. It subbed out the whole powertrain to LG and it came back to bite them. GM is lucky, in my opinion, that they got off as easy as they did. I mean, many more bolts could have caught on fire. This did tarnish their reputation, but at least GM is trying to keep their customer base happy. And Elon pointed out in the shareholder meeting last week, this is why when Legacy Auto advertises a new EV, Tesla sells more cars. Yeah. And my question to uh, bolt owners is, would you sign the release? $6,000. Here you go, but you can never sue us if your car catches on fire. I mean, you're never going to make $6,000 in a lawsuit. Unless your car catches on fire and it burns down your house. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I mean, it could happen. I don't know if that release is going to hold up in court if your house is burned down. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. No Neither idea. Neither am I. No idea. Neither am I. <laughs> we are not lawyers. Hey, lawyers, <laughs> comment down below. Give free legal advice. <laughs> so Tesla and technical school company Lincoln Educational Services Corporation, which is on the NASDAQ, by the way, under uh, LINC, they have just announced a new partnership last week. The press release says a Tesla training facility will be established at Lincoln Tech's Denver, Colorado campus as part of a three-year plan whereby the school will provide Tesla start training at no cost to students to help develop the next generation of Tesla's service technician workforce. Automotive technology graduates from any of Lincoln Tech's campuses will be eligible to apply for this advanced EV training program. Students accepted into the 16-week program will receive an hourly stipend while they train. The Tesla training facility will occupy approximately 6,000 square feet of space in Lincoln Tech's Denver campus. Tesla will also provide vehicles, tools, equipment, charging stations, and its own instructors to deliver the program. Upon completion of the program, graduates may be recruited for positions at Tesla service centers across North America. Alright, sounds we, good to we, me. We, See you later. Hang on, we're doing a show. We're recording We're recording the show. No, no, I'm going to I'm going to Colorado. I'm going to start working for Tesla. See ya. Uh, well, this is a f this is great. This is great. Really great. I mean, this sounds really attractive, like to me. Well, not only that, but Lincoln has like a dozen campuses all across the country. So, I mean, if this works in Colorado, they could expand it. And this is what Tesla really, really, really needs. Well, and think about it from Lincoln's point of view, getting to advertise that we have cutting edge technology that we can teach our students. For I, free. For free. I mean, <laughs> you know, even if they charge for it, um, it means you're probably going to get a job out the door. Because even if it's not working for Tesla, I mean, you're learning about electric cars. Right. Yeah. But I mean, why not work for Tesla for a few years? I know, right? <laughs> build up that resume. Yeah. I and, mean, and then go work for Audi or whatever. This is a really good sign because we need good Tesla techs. Really do. Yeah. I mean, it, if there's one thing that I know, <laughs> it's that there are not enough Tesla techs in the world. I'm just going to throw this out to you. If you have a student in your family or maybe you are a student and maybe you're getting to the end of high school, look, do, do what you think is right for you. But maybe consider taking a year off from what would be the normal, like, I'm going to college. And try something like this out if it interests you, because at the end of it, you could still go back to college or maybe this is a great career for you. Yeah, I mean, you're getting what, a stipend? Yeah. 
I mean, what other place do you get paid and it's free and then you get a job right out of it? Like, that's about as good as, well, I mean, that's And awesome. you're going into a... Growing field. A growing field. With a skill set that <laughs> is the, so valuable. Be at the top, there's no one really above you? Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited about it. Me too. So Tesla has filed for a patent on a new multiband GPS antenna for self-driving and navigation. The patent says the antenna system can be placed under and embedded within a glass exterior surface of a vehicle. Such an antenna system can include a capacitively coupled metallic element on or adjacent to the glass exterior surface, which can serve as both a parasitic element to enhance gain and as a heating element to melt snow and or ice accumulation over the glass area that covers the antenna. In certain applications, the antenna structure itself can be used as a heater to improve performance in adverse weather conditions while the heating elements are positioned away from the thermally sensitive electronics. The antenna system with integrated heating can include a spiral antenna. This is very interesting because um, I kind of assumed that the current precision of GPS was good enough, given that so much of full self-driving relies on cameras. I think this patent has more to do with the heating part. My guess is that in cold climates, if the um, antenna gets covered with snow and ice, it must reduce its antenna abilities. Mm. And I mean, because we're talking radio waves, right? And I assume that water and ice do block those. Mm. I mean, you're, you're more of an expert on radio waves, but. Well, uh, yes. No, I mean, at certain frequencies and stuff like that. But I'm, 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 I'm curious because I wonder if this is for maybe Starlink. Oh, yeah. Maybe you want to do it because 12G is not going to handle water too well like mm. on the antenna i don't think mm. i'm not you know my my ham radio textbook did not really <laughs> talk about 12 gigahertz um but uh i would assume that the higher frequency is gonna you're probably not gonna want that mm. so i don't know maybe maybe it was interesting to see how many inventors are listed on this. It's mm. not just one. It's, I think, like a dozen people. It right. is complicated stuff. But keep in mind that patents don't necessarily mean that Tesla's doing this. It just means that they wanted to patent. Sure, but... It protects I, them from if sure, they ever wanted to use I it. I totally get that. But the fact that they're working on it shows they probably need the tech. Which is really interesting. Yeah. Keen-eyed Australians have been spotting trucks carrying Model Ys to Tesla delivery centers. And some owners have been taking deliveries starting Thursday of last week. So if you live in Australia, please be on the lookout and send us pictures of Model Ys that you spot. Remember, hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. And Australia may not be the only country getting Model Ys. Chris spotted this car carrier in Auckland, New Zealand. Well, Elon did say the Model Y was gonna be the best-selling car in the world. How exciting. Hey, and if you want to share a story that you saw on the show with your friend, but you don't want to share the whole show because it's an hour long, head on over to the Now You Know Clips channel where we cut them up into bite-sized clips. So this is a story about Bolt, not the Chevy Bolt. Oh, the Estonian-based rideshare company that I used when I was in Spain the other day. Nope, not that Bolt either. I'm talking about the Miami-based e-bike sharing company founded by Olympic gold medalist Usain Bolt. Bolt Mobility. That's a lot of bolts. So the bolt we're talking about here was renting these e-bikes in five U.S. cities, Portland, Oregon, three cities in Vermont and Richmond, California. And last week they just stopped. What do you mean they just stopped? Well, I mean, they didn't check in for their regularly scheduled meetings with municipal officials. Brian Davis, the senior transportation planner for Chittenden County, Vermont, said they vanished, leaving equipment behind and emails and calls unanswered. We're unable to reach anyone, but it seems they've closed their shop in other markets as well. You mean they went belly up? Yep. Mayor Tom Butt of Richmond, California, says, unfortunately, Bolt apparently went out of business without prior notification or removal of their capital equipment from city property. They recently missed the city's monthly meeting check-in and have been unresponsive to all their clients throughout all their markets. Wait a minute. So what did Bolt do with their e-bikes? Apparently, they just left them. 
Um, in Richmond, for example, they left 250 e-bikes at BART and ferry terminals. Now, supposedly Bolt is devising a plan to pick them all up, but in the meantime, it's asking the cities to make sure that they don't get vandalized or stolen. I mean, that's really too bad. I mean, shared e-bikes can be a great transportation asset for cities if done well, but this just shows how hard it is to make businesses profitable even when you have a good idea. Right. And I also just want to ask, like, when a company goes bankrupt or belly up or having trouble, it doesn't mean that, like, everyone's just gone. Hey, I just Go home, everyone. I mean, can you make a quick phone call and be like, here's what's going on? I, that's just weird. I mean, Usain Bolt's really good at running. <laughs> So as promised, I visited Arkimoto last week in Eugene, Oregon. I was just doing some shopping, Mark. <laughs> Were you? Yeah. I, I like what swag. you got. Very nice, very yeah. nice. Uh, Zach from, uh, uh, of Zach and Jesse from Now You Know, came out for an in-depth tour of the facility, of the ramp, of the amp, uh, and checked out a bunch of stuff on the product side. So much fun. So we're gonna tease a little bit of that, but then the full yeah, episodes we're, we're are We're gonna, gonna get into it on Now You Know, so. You want to go check that out. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks a ton for coming out. Thanks, man. Looking forward to seeing the uh, the final result. Let's get into it. So we're going to play out with a few clips from Zach Cataldo's visit from Now You Know. Uh, we did the deep dive on the factory, on the products, on future plans, uh, and look for that on the Now You Know channel in the coming week. Uh, we also got Zach on uh, with Tiger and Kenzie on the podcast. So if you want to learn a little bit more of his backstory, you can check that out this weekend as well. Have a great weekend. Cheers. That I can, I can explore. Yeah. I think that's me. Yeah. Mark and his awesome team were so gracious, allowing me to not only tour all their facilities, including the new ramp factory, but also test drive all of their amazing vehicles, the FUV, which is the fun utility vehicle. I got Mark's Roadster, his actual Roadster, which I can't wait to tell you about. And the newest, the MLM V4, the Mean Lean Machine Cybertrike Edition. We are busy taking all that footage and editing it into a watchable episode for you, which we're planning on coming out this Friday for in-depth. So if you haven't already subscribed to this channel, why not do it now? It just takes a second. It doesn't cost you anything and allows us to bring you stories like this. And I mean, you might think, well, it's all fun and games, Zach. You got to go there and play around. But I mean, I got the green carpet open to me by this company. And that means you got the green carpet because I got to visit all this stuff with a cameraman. We're going to show it to you. Um, and the other thing is I got to ride these products. I had seen the Roadster, for instance, and I thought, cool. And then I moved on. I did not understand it. I got my mind blown and I just got my cheeks back from smiling. Like I was just, it was just plastered on my face. Uh, I'm going to explain it all on Friday. Cool. All right. It's time for Into the Future, sponsored by our friends at Henson Shaving. And I just want to thank Henson Shaving for my shave this morning. It's always so pleasant. I'm, I'm always a little bit surprised at how awesome it is. Um, cause it's like every week. And so every week it's like this, like fun. I get it because when I used to shave, I would forget what stage my razor was at. Mm. And sometimes you'd be like, Oh, I forgot to change the head. And I can just change the blade every single time because it costs 10 cents. Right. So you get Um, a nice clean shave, nice clean shave every single time. And I'm just like, wow, this is like really easy every week. Yeah. Head on over to HensonShaving.com. Use our code. Now, you know, and you're going to get a hundred blades for free. Here at Now You Know, we don't just advocate for solar energy. Although we love it. Or wind energy. Although we love it. 
Any form of sustainable energy that doesn't pollute and is economically viable is better than fossil fuels, which do pollute and are not sustainable. It is not economically viable. It's true. It's so exciting that since we started six years ago, many companies have joined the race to invent and build technologies that can produce energy sustainably. This week, we're talking about energy from waves, and this isn't the first company we've been talking to about wave energy. Yeah, right. We talked with Ina Braverman, the founder of EcoWave Power. You can check that out right here. Really cool how they do it, converting wave power into electricity. You can check out that interview we have here on Disruptive Investing Channel. Yeah, subscribe to our channel. We just hit 50,000 subscribers there because I don't think there's another YouTube channel like it full of fascinating, smart founders and thinkers bringing new disruptive technologies to life. Well, today I want to share with you Wave Swell Energy, a company from Australia. And this is another company working on technology that turns wave power into electricity. Okay, so how does this design work? As you can see from this video, uh, the company's called Waveswell. <laughs> Waves swell, bringing water into what Waveswell Energy calls the blowhole. Like the blowhole of a whale, the water rising pushes the trapped air through this turbine above and generates electricity. As the wave recedes and the water level falls, the air is sucked back through the turbine, creating electricity again. The great part about this design is that there are no moving parts below water, so there's nothing to get rusted or fouled and no aquatic life to get bothered. This photo here is Waveswell's UniWave 200, a 200 kilowatt test platform installed last year off of King Island in Tasmania. It's been making electricity in a very tough marine environment around the clock for the past 12 months. Now, you know what's cool about this design? It could be incorporated into breakwaters and seawalls. Exactly. It can basically serve two purposes. And Waveswell claims to have a 45 to 50 percent conversion rate. It currently produces about one megawatt hour in a 24 hour period. Now, we're reaching out to Waveswell, so stay tuned to Disruptive Investing and don't forget forget to subscribe and hit the bell icon for notifications so you don't miss an episode. All right, it's time for Going Green, and we're sponsored by EcoWare. Both of us are wearing some EcoWare designs today. Uh, If you'd like to head on over there, you can get products that are carbon neutral. In fact, they're carbon negative. Because we plant trees, we cap oil wells, and uh, you can feel good about your purchases, and you can start positive conversations. So head on over to EcoWare.us today. So again, this is why I love our community. This story is from our friend Tor in Sweden and is one of those stories that we wouldn't have known about if it weren't for our awesome community of viewers and patrons who share news with us every day. And you can too at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Okay, so what's this story? Well, the Swedish Touring Car Championship, or STCC, will become the world's first 100% electric national touring car championship. It'll feature the most powerful STCC cars ever at 550 horsepower, 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds. They have 45 kilowatt hour batteries at 800 volts. Basically, they want all the cars to be roughly the same so that it's more about the drivers. The first cars are being built for next year's race through Helsingborg, Sweden, June 16th through the 17th. The first model to be revealed will be a Tesla Model 3. We should enter our Pikes Peak Model 3. I was thinking of that. We should call Dave because, I mean, why not? We've got the car. Uh, we just rewrap it. It's The battery's too big and it's not the right voltage. Aww. I know. Too bad. But, but, but how are they using a Model 3 then? Uh, maybe they're using the standard range Model 3 instead of a sta- instead of a performance. I don't know. We should still talk to Dave. We can I, probably work <laughs> it out. I'd love to have a Swedish racing team. We won at Pikes Peak. Yeah. All right, it's time for sunspots. All right, Jesse, what do inflation and solar power have in common? They both go up and down. Oh, that's, that's good. Uh, it was a trick question, actually. I'm talking about the Inflation Reduction Act, which just passed the Senate on Sunday, 51 to 50, by the way. That act addresses climate change. So it's controversial. 
I get it. This is, after all, a 725-page bill that no one's read with $740 billion of spending. But since it's likely to pass, I mean, it's supported by the Democrats and we currently have a Democratic president, I figured let's find some stuff in the bill that makes me happy. So one of the parts of the bill that I can get behind, which I think is actually going to help not only the planet and our air, but also people's wallets, is a long-term extension of the solar investment tax credit at 30% until 2034. This is a big deal. Just stop for a second tax credit 30 percent for the next 12 years it's going to mean a lot more solar there's also up to eight thousand dollars off to install heat pumps and a rebate of up to seventeen hundred and fifty dollars for heat pump water heaters and even up to eight hundred forty dollars to offset the cost of heat pump clothes dryers or high efficiency electric stoves also up to $4,000 to upgrade electrical panels. We need that. Yes. And as Jamal Lewis from Rewiring America wrote, a household with an efficient electric heat pump for space heating and cooling, a heat pump water heater, one electric vehicle and solar panels would save $1,800 a year. Now, the e-bike credits unfortunately disappeared from this bill, which is the one sad part. But I do want to just mention what Jamal just said. If you take that $1,800 a year savings, and if the average American family took those savings and invested it at, say, 8% for 10 years, they'd have $30,000. If they invested that savings for 25 years, they'd have $140,000 in the bank. And that is just savings that they get every year. Also, there's $60 billion tagged to accelerate domestic production of solar panels, wind turbines, batteries, and mineral processing. I wonder who makes a lot of those in this country. Hmm. I, I wonder where that money's going to go. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. Remember, we need your stories. And remember how to do it. Two minutes or less. Not two minutes or more. Two minutes or less. Shoot them in the landscape. Let's turn your phone like that this. way. Good. Good. Good audio. No music. Make it a narrative. Tell us what's going on. Send them to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. And let's see what we got this week. Klaus is telling us about charging his EV in Denmark on the Clever Network. Hello, second Jizzy. An update from Denmark, Europe. I would like to tell you about how we charge our electric cars here. So I have a small Peugeot. Uh, it's a small car, electric car with just 50 kilowatts of battery. So I need to charge it a lot. Um, I have uh, uh, subscribed to a company called Clever, which provides us with a, a charger at home and also access to a lot of chargers uh, around highways and cities and stuff like that. So I pay a subscription, uh, a flat rate subscription, and I can charge all I want at home. Uh, I get a um, money back from Clever. So the amount I spend on energy, I get back uh, every month. And then I can charge as much as I want at the fast chargers uh, along the highways and inside cities. It's a bit of a different story than Tesla superchargers and Clever is actually much bigger here in Denmark than, than Tesla is. In Denmark, we have a lot of different uh, EVs. We have a lot of uh, EVs from Volkswagen, uh, something like Skoda, uh, Seat, and Volkswagen themselves, Audi and Porsche. We also have a lot of Teslas, huge, huge amount of Teslas. We actually import them from Germany because in Germany they get a, a rebate when they buy the Tesla. Uh, and then if it has been in Germany for uh, six months and driven more than 5,000 kilometers, then we can actually import it into Denmark and and save a lot of money. That's been an update on how we charge in Denmark. Now you know. 
$142 a month? What, what's wrong with that? That's expensive. Well, no, he's tra- that's he's charging pretty much every day. Like that. Think of how much you'd spend on gas in a month. That's going to be way more than that. I don't think about that because I. I know you don't think about that, but that that's not expensive at all if you're using it all the time. I spend like sixty bucks a month on charging my EV. Right, but it depends. Maybe he's driving a lot. Let us know in the comments. Well, Do you mean, think that's maybe, a lot? Maybe electricity is more expensive in Denmark. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. Uh, by the way, we've got five Investor Club bonus stories this week. So if you're part of our Investor Club, get ready. Wow. Uh, pencil and paper. <laughs> uh, we, but on our Patreon bonus stories, which you can get for as little as a buck a month, I've got uh, my Turo experience in Oregon. Nice. So my first Turo. Uh, we got the Jaguar I-Pace fires and much more. So head on over to patreon.com slash now you know. Support us for just a buck a month and get all these Patreon bonus stories. We'll see you there. All right, we're back from the Patreon bonus stories. Thank you so much to these people that we're going to read off here. These are people that support us for five bucks or more a month. Uh, They get their names up at the end of the show. Who do we got this week? Scott Mason. Khalil Branch. Chongor Polinsky Nagy. Robert Bell. Suzanne M. Cork. Quinn N. Marcelo Cruz. And Richard Dominguez. Thank you so much for supporting this channel. It doesn't happen without you. All right, so we had a poll this week. What did we ask? Um, so you wanted to know about food options at Tesla superchargers. Right. I mean, I was out at a lot of superchargers in a new part of the world. And uh, when I'm, I'm a picky eater. Uh, I'm primarily plant-based. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I pull in and there's an Arby's, I can't eat there. Right. Uh, so I wanted to know, do you guys feel the same way? And what do people say? Most people said that they can usually find something if they're hungry. Although uh, some people did complain about dietary restrictions or or healthy options. I totally understand the second most popular answer, which is sometimes they're a very long walk away. Mm. Uh, there was like 20 restaurants at one of the superchargers that I could have thrown a stone and hit. Yeah. I couldn't eat at any of them. Right. Um, or I chose not to. Uh, I had to walk basically half a mile to find a restaurant that I could eat at. So yeah, Tesla, if you're listening. There, you have a lot of picky eaters in the world, and I just feel like you need to start finding locations that appeal to a bigger audience. I don't or, know. Or at least to healthier audience. I think it's really tough, though, because if they, you know, park it next to, a, you know, some healthy restaurant and that healthy restaurant someday goes out of business and then gets replaced by an Arby's, then it's you're back to square one. I guess. I don't know. All right, it's time for Elon's Tweets of the Week. And if you want to see cute kid and some dogs, then I got the video for you. This is Little X and the Doges. Elon said, this is worth reading. What we owe the future. This is a close match for my philosophy. And I was thinking we should add this to our book club book. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah we have book club today. Yeah. Uh, so so <laughs> if you're in the book club or if you want to join the book club and, and hear us talk about what our latest he- book was. Head on over to Patreon and I have to finish reading it. <laughs> Galaxy Hero said, Elon, which of your children is most passionate about SpaceX and Mars? And Elon said X. Which is his kid. Oh, baby X. I, right. I thought he was being smart. Uh, Pranay said, Elon, have you read this paper by Nick Bostrom, The Astronomical Waste? This essentially states that every second we delay expanding into space, we could lose at least 100 trillion potential human lives that could have lived. Elon said, that estimate seems high, but the point is valid. Elon tweeted out, just came across this pretty good CNBC piece on SpaceX and Starship. Yeah, it came out in March, but it's really good. Uh, go check it out. We'll put the link down below. Serene said, when orbital flight, Elon? Elon said a successful orbital flight is probably between one and 12 months from now. Now, is he being cheeky? Why can't he just tell us? Because he doesn't know when the successful oh, orbital it could blow flight up or, will be. Right. I got you. I got you. Then Elon tweeted out the ratio of digital to biological compute is growing fast. Worth tracking. What is he talking about? So uh, digital compute would be like computers and AI okay. and biological compute is, you know, the old noggin. Ah, OK. Yeah. Gotcha. We're falling behind. 
Tesla tweeted out an interview with uh, Pete Buttigieg saying that Tesla is the largest producer of EVs in this country. He also gave Tesla the credit for its role as a leader in the EV revolution. And remember, Pete Buttigieg is secretary of transportation who normally is like, who's Tesla? It, but and so good. He he stated a couple facts and Elon said, cool, because, yeah, cool, whatever. Cool that a politician cool. actually said something wow, real. Some factual statements. Amazing. My essay says reports are circulating that Elon Musk has plans to build a new private airport in central Texas. Elon said not true. Tesla is five minutes from Austin International Airport. Would be silly to build another private airport. However, the existing commercial airport needs another runway as Austin is growing fast. John Shahidi said, you'll learn and laugh during this three-hour episode with the man Elon Musk on the Full Send podcast. And Elon said, it was a fun hang. Uh, it was a fun hang, I guess, if you're a bro dude. If it was can. a little little uh, cringy, but it's whatever. Feel free to skip that one. Look, six million people probably learned who Elon Musk was. So That's good for great. That. That's great. If you're watching this, you, you're not going to learn much. Gary Black said, Lucid missed their second quarter badly, delivering just 679 vehicles. Elon said, I had more kids in Q2 than they made cars. That's a joke. <laughs> Elon said, thank goodness for Senator Manchin. And is this true because Senator Manchin voted for the EV tax, EV credit? tax credit? I don't know. Because I mean, Elon wasn't even for the EV tax credit, even applying to Tesla. Yeah, I don't know. It I did pass know. 51 to 50, so we did need the vote. But Elon said, hustling to get Starship Booster 7 back to pad to test outer ring of 20 engines. And he said, moving rocket to launch pad and then at the launch pad. And I love the smell of hydraulic fluid in the morning. That's so cool. Do you know what that movie reference is, by the way? Yeah, that's um, Apocalypse Now. Yeah. See? Except it wasn't hydraulic fluid. <laughs> Andrea Stropa said, Elon's counterclaim suit against Twitter. Clearly from Twitter SEC filings, MDAO is the key metric. It's the key metric for its business revenue and its market value. MDAO is an ad hoc metric created to protect Twitter's interests. No competitor uses something similar. When Elon requested more information about spam and fake accounts, Twitter provided a vague response, then provided outdated data, then offered a fake data set, not real, firehose, then provided a clean data set where they already suspended the malicious accounts. Elon said, good summary of the problem. If Twitter simply provides their method of sampling 100 accounts and how they're confirmed to be real, the deal should proceed on original terms. However, if it turns out that their SEC filings are materially false, then it should not. Um, and I think he knows what the answer is. And then he went on to say, I hereby challenge the CEO to Twitter to a public debate about the Twitter bot percentage. Let him prove to the public that Twitter has less than 5% fake or spam daily users. And Pranay says, I wonder what the SEC is doing here. Are they even investigating these dubious claims that are made by Twitter? Ridiculous. Elon said, good question. Why aren't they? And Eva Fox said, they don't have time to follow the law. They're too busy with you and Tesla. Elon said, so it seems. And he put out a poll. Less than 5% of Twitter daily users are fake spam. And most people said, laugh my ass off. No. And Elon said, Twitter has spoken. And then a real tweet. Uh, Elon said FSD beta 10.69 drops on the 20th. Nice. All right. It's time for community mail time. Community mail time. And remember, share your stories with us at hello at now, you know, channel .com. Sam said he saw this F-150 lightning on the Georgian College campus in Barrie, Ontario, Canada. Daniel says, found this F-150 Lightning charging next to Julie, his name of his car, on the college campus in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. Well, I didn't know that was a place. Uh, like most small towns, there are a lot of trucks, so it's great to see electric making inroads in small town USA. Wouldn't that be funny if that was the name of your town? Nowhere. Where do you live? <laughs> middle of nowhere. Lyman sent us this picture of an ID5 spotted in Denmark. Our patron Mike says, while walking to work in Kingston, Ontario, Canada, there was a pleasant personalized license plate on an Ionic 5. Thanks to everyone at Now You Know. 
What's the license plate say? No ice. Nice. Luke says, I was on a road trip from Chicago to Denver and stopped in normal Illinois to charge. In the parking garage, one deck below the Tesla chargers, I saw these chargers and there was a Rivian pickup truck parked. The tonneau cover looked completely broken. I also stopped at the Rivian factory and went to the lobby where I was greeted by a nice security person who informed me that it was not open to the public. We chatted for a few minutes. There was a nice coffee shop in the main lobby, which was for employees only, and he requested that I don't take any pictures inside the lobby. There was a glass wall separating the lobby from a section of the factory floor where there were two Amazon delivery trucks, which looked complete. Interestingly, outside in the parking lot, there were about 20 chargers, which I happily plugged my Model Y into for a few minutes. I assume only employees were using these chargers since I appeared to be the only visitor. And there were about six Rivian R1Ts being charged, about six Tesla vehicles and a couple of bolts. Interesting visit. Love your show. Keep it up. Thank you, Luke. Doing a little spy work. Mark shared these photos of an Xpeng P7 in Amsterdam. He says, I have to say for me, it's the best looking EV out there right now. Looking very well built too. As you said in one of your episodes, China is coming. Mm. And Daryl sent us a photo of this green Model 3. This is kind of stunning, actually. I mean, the color really catches me. Maybe it's because it's the color of money. (laughs) All right, it's time for supercharger reviews. But before we get to that, let's look at a beautiful supercharger and... uh, well, check this out. Tesla makes a lot of products, but I bet you never thought they'd make this. Is it Tesla dumpster? No, no, no. It's a Tesla swimming pool. Our patron, <laughs> Tim from Germany, sent us these photos of a swimming pool that Tesla set up at the Hilden Supercharger in Germany. Tesla opened the pool on August 4th. Thank you to Tim, his wife, Steffi, and their son, Janis, for these amazing photos and video. Now, the rules state that it's open from August 4th through the 28th, so you still have time to visit it, uh, from 2 to 7 p.m., four people at a time, 10 minutes each. I got to say, I would give this a 10 out of 10. A lot of a lot of regulations for this dumpster pool, but uh, OK. And this questionnaire that he got afterwards about the user experience seems to indicate that there'll be more pools in France and Italy. So keep your eyes open and please send us photos if you encounter them. So stay cool in the pool. All right, let's see what we got for supercharged reviews. Hey, Zach and Jesse. I'm here in beautiful Jasper, Alberta, where they have installed eight new supercharging stations. Unfortunately, they're not turned on yet, so I have to park in the Parks Canada charging stations that were supplied by Tesla. And I will give this location a 10 on 10 just for the beautiful view. Welcome to the 8-stall version 3 superchargers in Sioux City, Iowa, located near the junction of Interstate 29 and Highway 75, and between a Casey's General Store and a Holiday Inn Express, this supercharger has the basics taken care of. The Holiday Inn Express was clean, comfortable, and had a nice pool, and there's more lodging with a Comfort Inn and Candlewood Suites nearby. But other food options are on the other side of the exit, and a little walk or drive away. Across the highway, the Southern Hills Mall and Lakeport Commons Shopping Center are the anchors for many more dining options and the typical big box retailers. Unfortunately, they're all well beyond most people's walking distance. But the supercharger does have the basics covered, as well as good wide spots that seem Cybertruck ready, and a handy back-end spot for trailers. I'd give this supercharger 7 out of 10, and now you know. Hey, Zach and Jesse. This is Jeff in Japan. I'm currently in the city of Osaka in front of the Abeno Harukas building. It's the tallest building in Japan, standing at 300 meters high. About a 10-minute walk from the Abeno Harukas building is the five-stall Tesla supercharger location. It's right inside this Family Mart convenience store parking lot, which has bathrooms and all sorts of food and drink options. And across from it is this coffee and craft chocolate cafe. 
Along with these five superchargers, there's also a Chetamo charger. About a five to ten minute walk from the chargers, you'll find an entrance to Shtennoji Temple. It's one of the oldest Buddhist temples in Japan. This one was founded back in the year 593. Outside the temple, you'll find food stalls and temporary shops set up along the road. Being located right next to a convenience store and cafe, and within walking distance to some really popular sightseeing spots, I'll give this location a 10 out of 10. Now you know. Hi, second Jesse, Mike from the Rural Montana family. We're here in Spokane, Washington at the 8-stall version 3 250 kilowatt supercharger. There's only one other one here. Not so busy right now. I assume this will be busy since it has 8 stalls and it is a version 3. It's not a bad location at all. We're here in the parking lot of this truck stop slash gas station. There's a Starbucks right there, a Subway, Iron Skillet restaurant, and then there's the store of the gas station right here in this lot. And then you can go across the street, and there is a few other things over there. There's a McDonald's over there. Um, and a few other stores. There's a taqueria, so I guess you can get some tacos over there as well. So it's not too terrible. It's a bit noisy around here, but at least there is some amenities. There is a bathroom here, and it is right off the interstate here, so pretty cool. So the location is not too bad, assuming it is basically a 24-hour location here with these truck stops. It'll be open day and night and you can get a bathroom even in the middle of the night. So I would rate this here an 8 out of 10. Now you know. Darn. No pools. But if you keep a keen eye, you can send us uh, supercharger reviews. They don't have to have pools. You can head over to nowyouknowchannel.com and upload your own supercharger reviews. Can I just put my supercharger review in that I shot in Washington State uh, before I got to the airport? It, yeah. it just shows you how easy it was. I hopped out of the car and here it is. I am at the Federal Way Washington supercharger and this is a, what, eight plus five, what is this, 13 stalls, 14 stalls? Uh, about three minutes off the highway on your way to Seattle uh, Airport. And so I would rate this uh, probably a seven out of 10 because it's got a mall with a bunch of the things you need, uh, not too far off the highway and plenty of charger stalls. Now you know. See, nothing special. Wasn't a great review actually, but no. um, we've, the people do better reviews. I, 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 yeah, exactly. I, I think you guys do better than I do. All right, but let's check out the new superchargers in the world. We have number 136 in Germany, the 12 stall in Hemsbach, Germany. Number 103 in Florida is the 16 stall in Boynton Beach, Florida. Number 20 in South Carolina is the 16 stall in Columbia at Harbison Boulevard. Number 45 in North Carolina, number 1445 in the USA is the 12 stall in Cary at Bass Pro Lane, North Carolina. Number 57 in Italy is the 4 stall at Porto Sant'Elpidio, Italy. Number 119 in France. Number 845 in Europe is the 20 stall at Bourgachard, France. Number 6 in Morocco and 6 in Africa is the 3,606th supercharger in the world. It is a 4 stall, 150 kilowatt in Fez, Morocco. There's 6 in Morocco. 
Yeah. I was so close to going to Morocco when I was in Spain. We could have just ferried over. And then you could have made it into Morocco. Man, I should have done it. <laughs> I should go back. All right, it's time for the Patreon comment of the week. What do we, what uh, What's our comment here? It's about some kind of threatening group? Yes, so Ulrich says there's a group operating in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, and threatening to go countrywide, calling themselves the Tire Extinguishers, who are deflating tires of random SUVs as a protest against extra pollution those things create. The story appeared on our local papers in Vancouver and didn't say if they refrained from targeting mo- Tesla Model Ys and Model Xs, since those are also SUVs, but are zero pollution generators. What do folks think about this tactic? I'm not sure it's a great idea. Sounds dangerous for the kids doing that and tends to validate the eco-terrorist narrative. Um, so this is not new. This started in the UK, actually, t- the tire extinguisher thing. So do they pop the tires? They do not pop them. They do not damage them. They simply unscrew the cap and deflate the tire. So it creates no damage, but it does, what does it create do? a nuisance. It, they leave a little card on it and it says, like, where the tire extinguishers and you drive an SUV, so f- you and you shouldn't be driving an SUV. I just think they should put their efforts into passing legislation and, you know, incentives and and, and information. I mean, you know, we know of Charlotte who goes out there and puts cards that are nice cards on EV uh, cars. I just I don't think this, which I would count as vandalism, is the way to go. Here's the thing that I, I think that I've been learning. Backlash is almost a more powerful tool than anything else. Mm-hmm. So you're almost causing more harm, which right. is that anyone who has their tire deflated is not going to go, oh, you know what? You're right. right. I shouldn't be driving. I'm going to sell it. I mean, what, what what are they supposed to do? Right. And then they sell it to somebody else and then you're going to deflate their tire. I mean, better to put a card on their window that says, you know how much money you could be saving in an electric car? Like, educate, but don't. At the very least, because then you're not deflating. The, I mean, yeah, you're not damaging the tire necessarily, but if you come out to your car, first of all, you have to notice that the tire is deflated because if you start driving with a deflated tire, you will ruin it. Yeah, that's a good So point. there's a really good chance you're going to ruin and it. And then you're just going to hate EV people because you're going to think yeah. they're the ones who did it. Exactly. So, so I don't really, I'm not that in favor of it. No. It's like, it's like edgy, but like. It's not the way to do it. It's, I think it's because a, a lot of people don't understand how. Uh, the world works and they think that this is going to do it. It's not going to accomplish your goal, in my opinion. Uh, Look, thanks for making it to the end of the show. I mean, I just want to mention that I watched that full send podcast with Elon. It's three hours long. Good for you. I made it into maybe about 45 minutes to an hour. Those guys, I'm sorry. It was hard to watch at times because it was like he was talking to teenagers, but the youngest one there was 20. I've Um, talked to more intelligent teenagers. I've talked to more intelligent nine-year-olds. I mean, all they were trying to do the whole time was plug their their stuff. Um, It was disgusting. It was disgusting. But I will say that you did get a few little gems in there because with three hours of conversation, you tend to forget you're on a podcast. And, you know, Elon talked about a few things. Um, I I wouldn't waste. It was not worth the three hours. It it wasn't. If Um, you can watch it on like 3x speed or something like that. It's not. Even then. I, I, we did the work for you. I wouldn't say it's really worth it. There was a quote from Elon in there. He said, solar will be the single largest source of energy in the world. And I hadn't heard quite that quote mm. before. Um, that was really cool. He talked a little bit about some parties he's had, of course. He talked about that he really wants to lose some weight and get healthier. Um, one of the bro dudes was like, man, try out our energy drink in the morning with caffeine. That'll be good for you. Elon, don't do do it. So, um, yeah, I don't know why exactly he was on there, but I do think, I think it's actually kind of good. It is because, I mean, it's had over six million views. Right. And I think those are uh, largely people have never even heard of Elon. Which is great. It's just three hours of Elon explaining 
everything that he does for uh, for three hours. A lot of people are like, "Why is he going on this right wing conservative podcast?" Look, is if long just like with Joe Rogan, if he's getting out to uh, millions of people who haven't heard of him before right. and are hearing about all this cool stuff, and all the guys on the podcast are like, "What?" Whoa. Then that means that instead of them being like, they're like, "What?" Right. Then they're hearing about Neuralink and SpaceX. So I think overall it was a good thing. Oh, totally. It just not for me. Not for not us. for me. I've I've I already know all this stuff. Right. So it's I don't need to be explained to it like I'm a two year old. Right. So anyway, uh, I want to thank everyone who's scrolling by here. Uh, this show does not happen without all these amazing people who support us because. You know, we're not a. Maybe we should be more broy and, and sell yeah. pre workout. Also, we got this workout drink <laughs> right here, man. Um, because I think that it's, uh, you know, I really enjoy having an intelligent audience yeah. who wants to hear about intelligent things and yeah. be up to the minute and, and learn as much as we can. So I really appreciate all these names and all these wonderful people because they help support this show because they're so intelligent. Um, they know that basically this is the only way it's going to work. Us intelligent folks are kind of rare and uh, you're not going to find too many of them out, you know, doing your six million view bro podcast. If you want to speak about podcasts, though, I was on a podcast this uh, week out in Oregon uh, since you watched the end of the show. Show. I'll yeah. get you, let you in a little secret. Head on over to the Arkimoto podcast on YouTube. We'll put the link down below. And yours truly was on there talking about stuff for over an hour. Oh, that's awesome. I thought I was going to be talking to Mark, but oh. it was just me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know why I'm on the Arkimoto podcast, but there it is. All right. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. Now you know. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.